This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Another, well, we, I, I guess, I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of this, but another beautiful day here in the Northeast. Headed up to 85 degrees today on May the 19th. Unbelievable. So, uh, a great day in Connecticut, I guess. Uh, the Restrictions have been lifted as far as uh, uh, capacities go at outdoor venues for concerts, ballparks, uh, restaurants as well. Uh, all the mask restrictions are gone other than individual businesses that can still require them. But uh, uh, some sense of normalcy here in the state of Connecticut. In, in the state, 73% of adults in our state uh, have gotten at least one shot. Uh, and if, you know, they're talking about herd immunity, you need to get to, what, that 75, 80%. Uh, the state of Connecticut's close to getting there uh, just with the adults. And now the kids are starting to be vaccinated. And it's just going to be a matter of time, I think, before uh, Connecticut gets there. Uh, I wish I could say the, sell, the same for the rest of the country, but uh, it is uh, lagging in other parts. But anyway, a good day uh, here in the state of Connecticut. Um, before we get into yesterday's games, got a few things I want to talk about. And one of these, this actually occurred on, uh, Monday night, there was a big furor and I, I, to be, I have to be honest, I didn't know that this had happened. I knew that, uh, well, I knew that a position player had pitched in this game, but I did not know the circumstances of what had happened on Monday night when the Chicago White Sox were playing the Minnesota twins, a game that the White Sox won. 16 to four, uh, Willens who is a, a catcher slash first baseman for Minnesota came on to pitch in the ninth inning in a blowout game. Uh, Jorman Mercedes, the, uh, rookie for the white Sox, hit a home run in that inning. Now, you know, you got a position player pitching, you figure no, no big deal. Um, but I guess what made it a big deal is that Mercedes swung at a 3-0 pitch in a 15-4 game, hit it out to make it 16-4. The Twins were pissed. Tony La Russa, Mercedes's manager, was upset and actually said uh, that there was going to be some consequences within the team and, and that, you know, you just don't do that. It's, it's sportsmanship, and you don't do that, and uh, um, there would be – whatever the consequences are going to be. You know, after the game, Mercedes was like, look, uh, this is baseball. I'm just trying to have fun. You know, it's part of the problem that we have in today, you know, these unwritten rules of baseball and uh, wh whether these young kids believe in any of that stuff or not, and obviously they don't. However, there's a few things here. Number one, as far as the unwritten rules go, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old-timer, so I believe in some of that stuff. But in a – 
in a strictly sportsmanship context, I can see where Larusa is coming from in terms of you're up 15 to four. It's a three zero pitch, you know. You got a guy lobbing up, you know, fifty mile an hour, you know, meatballs. You know, you don't swing and you know try to show up that guy that they've brought in. So I get that. However, this is where I have a problem. The issue to me lies not with what Mercedes did, and you can we can argue all day whether he should or he shouldn't have. The issue that I have is that the Minnesota Twins put a position player in to pitch in the first place. And it's not the first time that Rocco Baldelli's done it. Matter of fact, I think it's the second time this year that Austin Dios comes in to pitch. Uh, and we've seen it several times already this season. So my issue isn't with necessarily with Mercedes. It's with what the Twins did and what other teams are doing by putting position players into pitch. And here is why I have a problem with it. You've increased the roster size to 26. Most teams are carrying either 13 or 14 pitchers. So let's assume you have five starters. That means you have either eight or nine relievers in that bullpen. There is no reason to put a position player into the game to pitch in the first place. So if you want to be upset, you should be more upset with the fact that the Twins brought a guy in and made you could make the point they're making a mockery of the game by bringing in a guy who can't pitch. Now, we've seen position players come in. There's been some position players that have come in that can throw the ball hard, that can throw it in the 80s, and, you know, at least they don't embarrass themselves. Austin Dio's up there throwing up, you know, slow-pitch softball pitches, you know, uh, the kind of pitches that, that 60-year-old men like me could hit. Seriously, you know. And so my problem is more with that. And Major League Baseball allows this. Now, they made some adjustments to the rule where it has to be a, the lead has to be a certain amount and it has to be, you know, later in the game. Look, here's the bottom line Major League Baseball shouldn't allow this. You want to stop this kind of stuff? You want to talk about sportsmanship? Look, you could make a case that the Minnesota Twins were not respecting the game when you have, you know, they had only used three relievers in this game. So at minimum, they had five more down in the bullpen, maybe six. They had other guys they could have brought in for one inning, and it was one inning. It's not like you were asking a guy out of the bullpen to come in and throw three or four innings. It's one inning. So bring in a pitcher. Don't bring in a position player to begin with. All right? So that's, that is the issue that I have with this. Now, on the other side of it, when you talk about the sportsmanship angle, and this is the part that I get, you know, as far as whether Mercedes should or should not have swung. Jeff Passan, who writes for ESPN, did some research. And I, I'm actually shocked that you could do this research. In the last 20 years, big league players have seen 557 pitches on a 3-0 count with their team leading by 10 runs or more. All right, so 10 runs or more, 557 3-0 counts in the last 20 years. Okay? Your mean Mercedes was the first guy 
to swing at a 3-0 pitch when you're up by 10 runs or more in the last 20 years. So, it may be an unwritten rule, but when 556 other guys have not swung at a 3-0 pitch, it might as well be a, a written rule. So, from that standpoint, you can see where the Twins would be upset. You could see where people could say, well, it is sportsmanship. Why are you trying to show up the other team? All right, so I, I get that, too. I mean, that is a rather uh, stark stat when you think about it. 556 other guys didn't swing, but this kid does. does. And look, and, and look, the kid's having a great start to the season. He's hitting 346, right? I mean, I, and you get paid in Major League Baseball these days on dingers, right? <laughs> I mean, they want to know how hard, how far, you know, launch angle, all this other stuff. That's how guys are getting paid now. So if you're Mercedes, you're just looking to pad your stats. And why wouldn't you? Because at the end of the day, that could directly reflect your paycheck in a couple of years. So I get that as well. You know, there's, so there's no simple answer to this. Should Mercedes have swung 3-0? No, probably not. No. I get why he did, and I get, you know, look, he's, you know, he's a young kid, um, and he, you know, young kids today, and says the old man, play the game differently. There's not as much respect for your opponent as there used to be. There's, you know, you never used to see bat flips and celebrations running around the bases, you know. And look, the Red Sox in the past, have, you know, when Mookie Betts was there, he said some big home runs and practically did a jig all the way around the bases. And, and you wouldn't have seen that in the old days because the next time he did, somebody would have gotten it in the air flap. So I get that as well. But the, but the game is different. But are there parts of the unwritten rules? Are there things that shouldn't be different? You can make a case that the one thing you should not do is show up the other team. And a bat flip and, and, and celebrating as you're rounding the bases, to me, isn't showing up the opponent. You're excited because you've done something big and it's big for your team. That's not showing them up. But when you're up 10, or in this case, when you're up 11 runs in the ninth inning and a guy's throwing up lollipops, you could make the case that it is not very sportsmanlike to try to hit the ball to the moon. So I get both sides. And LaRusso's 76 years old. People keep wanting to point that out. And I took exception to this, by the way. Uh, there was a column that was written by uh, uh, Tim Dahlberg, Associated Press columnist. And he keeps harping on how old LaRusso is. You know, and that that, well, you know, that this is why, you know, he's upset and and, uh, you know, look at La Russa. They may be doing well, but just, don't forget, you know, just a few weeks ago, he didn't know the rules uh, on what base runner starts on second base. If it's the pitcher's slot, you know, he didn't know the rules. You could have substituted. He didn't know that. You know what? Most of the managers in Major League Baseball wouldn't know that. It's a brand new rule. You can't keep you can't keep picking on La Russa for that. You know, but he keeps wanting to point out about how old Larusa is. Oh my God, it's terrible. We got this old guy. They have the best record in baseball. And not only that, so yeah, okay, Larusa was upset. Twins are upset too. How do I know that? Last night, Tyler Duffy, pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, came out, and the first pitch he threw, he threw it behind Mercedes. 
was late in the game. He came on as a reliever, throws the ball behind Mercedes. What happens? He gets ejected. Because they, there was intent as, as far as the officials you know, went, they thought it was intent. So when he threw behind Mercedes in the seventh inning, he gets ejected. Baldelli gets ejected. The Twins end up winning the game 5-4 to four as they score uh, a couple of runs in the eighth and one in the ninth. Miguel Sano, who had been absolutely terrible with a big game last night, hits three home runs, drives on all four runs. Um, but it wasn't just Tony La Russa who was upset. The Twins were obviously upset. So you can say again, 76-year-old, you know, geezer coaching the Minnesota Twins, you know, what does he have to be upset about? You know, he's a, he's a relic. Well, obviously the Twins were pissed too if one of their young pitchers is going to throw behind Mercedes. And he didn't throw at his head. He threw a ball behind his legs. And you know what? And I, I also will say this. To LaRusse's credit, after the game, he's like, well, eh, you know, you know, I don't know if there was intent there. He threw it behind him, you know, but it could have just been a sinker that got away. You know, I, you know, I get upset if a guy throws at his head, but, you know, and, and, he, and, he, and he said at the end, I like the way the Twins handled that. The Twins came out and said, we're not happy. Don't do that again. It wasn't just the old manager being upset about this. So, you know, it's part of the divide in baseball today. You know, a lot of it is because we have the fan base for Major League Baseball, let's be honest, is older, you know, but Major League Baseball is trying to bring the younger kids back to the game and to being fans of the game. So there has to be some leeway in some of this stuff so that the young kids will get excited about, you know, bat flips and, uh, you know, celebrations and all that other kind of stuff that, that they have to allow some of that stuff. So I see both sides, but at the end of the day, this is about respect for your opponent and up 15 to four in my mind. And this isn't just old guy talking. It's just, you just don't do it. It's the three Oh count. The guy's throwing up meatballs. Just take ball four. You know what? Or if he lobs the 3-0 pitch in and it comes in for a strike and then you want to swing at the next one, go ahead. But it's the 3-0 pitch. Respect your, you know, have some some respect for your opponent. Just my personal opinion. And unfortunately, in this day and age, we don't have respect for much of anybody, not just in baseball, but in anything. I mean, you know, look at just look at social media for five minutes and you'll see that. So in my mind, he shouldn't have swung. I get I see both sides. But at the end of the day, Respect your opponent. Uh, one other baseball note. Uh, the Oakland Athletics front office, the owners and general manager, et cetera, et cetera, are going to Las Vegas next week. No, they're not going there to gamble. They are going there with the idea of potentially moving the Oakland Athletics to the city of Las Vegas the same way that the Raiders left Oakland and that dump of a ballpark to go to a beautiful new stadium in Las Vegas. Um, Las Vegas has the money. They, you know, that that uh, stadium that was built for the Raiders cost $1.9 billion, and the taxpayers partially funded it. However, it didn't hurt the taxpayers. Why is that? Because almost all that funding, that public funding, came from hotel and casino taxes on tourists. 
So it wasn't like you had to raise the uh, uh, the mill rate in Las Vegas to pay for this ballpark. So the same thing could happen with the Oakland Athletics. I hope it doesn't. I don't. I I don't want to see a baseball team in Vegas. I know you know it'll be a dome stadium, et cetera, et cetera. But I just don't. I just. I don't want to see a baseball team in Vegas. I just don't. I mean, there's a minor league team there. They have a beautiful stadium. Uh, let that be good enough. You know, there are other parts of this country that are kind of uh, baseball wastelands. I would rather see it go to a place like Nashville. There's no baseball team near Nashville. That would be great. Um, I would love to see a baseball team perhaps in Charlotte, North Carolina. There's no baseball team. You know, there's a lot of minor league teams, but there's no major league team close to Charlotte. That would be awesome. Um, Portland, Oregon's been mentioned. I kind of like that idea because you've got Seattle, and then it's kind of a there's a big divide between Seattle and San Francisco, which would be the next closest team, right? So, you know, Portland would be an, another great geographic location, another it's uh, kind of a travel partner, as it were. If you're going to make a West Coast swing, you make one to the Northwest to Seattle and Portland. You know, I so I'd much rather see that. Look, they've got already got a team in the desert. They've got the Arizona Diamondbacks in the desert. Let that. I mean that that kind of you know handles that area. I would much rather see it somewhere else. But having said that, Oakland needs to do something because that ballpark is an embarrassment. And, you know, kind of the same thing with Tampa. They've got to do something there. Tampa's locked into that ballpark through 2026, and they can't seem to get to get it together. Um, the Athletics have had proposals for a, a, a waterfront ballpark in Oakland for a while, and they can't get the city council to move on it. Now, so maybe this trip to Vegas is a threat and is going to finally get people in Vegas or in Oakland to get moving after losing the Raiders. They lost the Golden State Warriors. You know, maybe they're going to finally realize, hey, we could lose all our professional sports teams if we don't do something. So maybe this trip is just a way to spur the city council in Oakland. But regardless, um, it's got to be a wake-up call for the city of Oakland. All right, uh, games last night. Well, the number one thing we got to talk about, another no-hitter. Spencer Turnbull, who who led baseball in losses in 2019. He lost. He was 3-17 and 17 in 2019. This is a guy who had made, uh, I think, what, 49 career starts? Um, never pitched past the seventh inning. He throws a no-hitter last night as the Tigers shut out the... Seattle Mariners, 5 nothing. To make it worse for the Mariners, that's the second time they had been no hit this month. <laughs> Ouch. Um, it is uh, the five no-hitters through May 18th ties an MLB record for the most in baseball history by this date. Uh, they were, that was back in 1917. The record for most no-hitters in a season is seven. So uh, this might be one of those years, and it's 
we've seen it. Look, the strikeout rate, the swing and miss rate. You know, it's an all-or-nothing league now. We may see, who knows, maybe we'll see 10 no-hitters this year. Wouldn't shock me. You know, and this is, of the no-hitters that have been thrown, this guy is perhaps uh, the most unlikely. You know, and that's not to throw any shade at Spencer Turnbull. Good for him. You know, but, you know, and he'd been pitching better this year. You have to give him credit for that. He may have been 3-17 and 17 in 2019, um, but he's 3-2 and two this year. And after yesterday, his ERA dropped to 2.88. So the kid is maybe figuring out a little bit. Uh, and if you look at what he did last year, he made 11 starts last year and pitched to a 3.97 ERA. So he made significant progress over that 3-17 2019. So, you know, maybe this is just part of his progression, and he has gotten better and better. So, uh, But the Detroit Tigers with the no-hitters, so good for them. Uh, the Mariners have uh, taken on a lot of water lately, a team that was sitting atop uh, the AL West for a while and now finds themselves mired down in third place um, and uh, – no, with uh, you know, I hope they enjoyed it while they had it because it's not likely that they're going to uh, to resurrect things. But good for Spencer Turnbull and good for the Detroit Tigers. By the way, he's the first guy uh, to throw a no hitter for Detroit since Justin Verlander did it um, in 2011 uh, when he no hit Toronto in Toronto. Uh, the uh, only other guy not named J- uh, Justin Verlander who's done it in the last. 40 years was Jack Morris, uh, who threw one back in, uh, 1984. So it's been a while, but good for him. He's now a permanent member, uh, of the uh, Tigers record book, uh, with that, uh, no hitter last night. And, uh, they'll follow it up today. How would you like to be Tarek Skubal today? Who's getting the start for the Tigers? Uh, and you've got to follow that. Um, so, you know, the Tigers haven't had much to get excited about this year, but uh, at least for one night, uh, and unfortunately for Detroit fans, it was on the road in Seattle, but at least for one night, Detroit Tiger fans had something uh, to cheer about, so good for them. Uh, who did not have something to cheer about last night? Red Sox fans. Uh, they got embarrassed last night by the Toronto Blue Jays down in Dunedin, Florida. They got beat 8 nothing. Eight nothing. They gave up eighteen hits, and this, when you have your supposed ace on the mound in Eduardo Rodriguez, who gave up eleven hits and five runs in five innings. Then Matt Andrees came on and took one for the team and gave up seven hits and three runs in the final three innings to get out of it. Hinjin Ryu was uh, masterful last night for Toronto. Look, he's their best pitcher. The Red Sox had whacked him around the first time they played up at Fenway. Uh, He got his revenge yesterday with seven shutout innings. He struck out seven, didn't walk anybody. Uh, The Red Sox looked pathetic at the plate, only five hits, as I said. But worse than that, they looked lost in the field, made some some miscues, some uh, throwing errors from the outfield, uh, some bad decisions. But at the end of the day, just... Uh, they couldn't contain Vlad Jr. last night. Teoscar Hernandez, another big game. Uh, Vlad Jr. is now hitting 329 after that 3-for-5 game last night. And the most concerning thing for me about this game was that as the game went on, Erod's velocity continued to drop. 
You know, early on, they were commenting, ooh, he's throwing 94, 95 miles an hour. It's great. By the time he left in the fifth inning, his velocity was down to 91 miles an hour. Now, I am not dumping on Erod here. I want to be I want to be really clear about this. I believe that he's not back yet. He is not ready yet. This is a guy who did not pitch all of last year, had myocarditis, had had the coronavirus, had myocarditis, the inflammation of the heart muscle. I firmly believe, despite the fact he's been cleared by the doctors, and I get that, but I believe that physically he is not anywhere near 100% yet. I think he is working his ass off. I think he is trying the best he can. He's trying to figure things out. But he's 5-2, and two, but he's got an ERA of 4.7. This is not the Eduardo Rodriguez we are used to. You know, so I just think that it might not be a bad idea. They Look, they can't afford to do it because they're in a dogfight in the American League East. But it's one of those things where, you know, he might benefit from a few weeks off. That maybe there's a, whether it's a dead arm issue, whether it's a conditioning issue, you know, it may just be that he just doesn't have the gas in the tank yet. You know, who knows? But the Sox are now just a half a game ahead of Toronto. The Sox have been in first place since the middle of April. And that could all go away tonight. They have a half a game lead over Toronto, one game over the Rays, and a game and a half over the Yankees. Even the Orioles, who as bad as they are, are only seven games behind the Red Sox. So all of a sudden, things have gotten very, very tight in the AL East, and they uh, could be out of first place tonight. So I think he could benefit for a few weeks off. I just don't know if the Red Sox can afford it. Where else are they going to go? You know, that's the problem. You know, and Chris Sale is not going to be the savior for this team. You know, obviously there's hope that he can come back, you know, and but even when he comes back, it's going to be one of those things coming back from Tommy John surgery. They'll throw him out there for two, three innings at a time, and that's all you're going to get. Maybe in September he goes a little bit deeper than that, but when he comes back, you know, don't expect him to be coming out throwing 97 and, you know, throwing that nasty slider that he always does. I, I'd be shocked if that happens. It'd be great, but I'd be shocked. So uh, just a brutal, brutal game last night. Um, Kike Hernandez was back from the injured list and led off last night. Went one for four. Um, you know, it's just good to have him back in the lineup, another piece. And Danny Santana's coming. He had three more hits last night for Worcester in AAA. What are we waiting for? You know, honestly, they suck. Well, maybe he'll... Maybe he'll, uh, you know, meet us on the weekend uh, in Philly. Screw that. Get him there now. He's been hitting the crap out of the ball uh, in the minors. He's hitting like 360 or something on this uh, conditioning stint down in the minor leagues. Get him the hell up to the big club. Throw him in the lineup tonight. What are you waiting for? Uh, especially as dead as the bats looked last night. Uh, J.D. Martinez went 0 for 4. Xander Bogarts had a tough night. Devers was 0 for 4. Devers struck out a couple of times. Uh, Vasquez didn't do anything. I mean, some of the reliable bats outside of Alex Verdugo, uh, the bats were silent last night. Verdugo had a couple of hits, but that was it. So don't wait. Get him up there. Get him up there now. It is 33 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It's 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. So, as I said, things in the American League East getting tight. Yankees win again last night. They beat uh, Texas 7-4, to uh, snapping back after the loss on um, Monday night. D.J. LeMahieu, three RBI last night, including a, uh, a two-run double. Uh, in a big five-run fourth inning, that was the only. That was really the the game. Uh, at the end of the day, they had uh, they took a five-three lead in the fourth inning, and it was all over after that. Alberoldis uh, Chapman struck out the side in the ninth inning, picked up his tenth save. Um, this is the best start to this guy's career. He's been in the big leagues for twelve years. He has struck out uh, thirty-four guys in sixteen appearances. He's only allowed one run. And the run that he has given up was unearned. I mean, he has been, uh, we, you know, we talked about the start that Matt Barnes had for the Red Sox. Chapman's been better. 16 appearances, 16 innings, 34 strikeouts. And he's walked five. He's given up just five hits in those 16 innings. I mean, he's just been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Jamison Tyon got the start for the Yankees. He was not great. Couldn't get out of the fifth. Uh, but Wandy Peralta, who they got in the trade recently, came on. He ends up uh, finishing up the fifth inning and gets credited with the save. I mean, excuse me, with the win. Mike fulton got the start for Texas last night. He got roughed up again. His ERA is over five now. Um but uh, Aaron Judge with a couple of hits last night. Rugnet Odor making his return to the lineup after missing a couple of weeks. Uh, had a couple of hits in Texas against his former team. I'm sure that felt good. Uh, Gary Sanchez had to leave the game last night. Uh, he felt some cramping in his hamstring last night. He went one for three with an RBI double, uh, but he had to leave the game because of that tightness. Uh, Gashioka came on to finish it up. Um, but uh, another win for the Yankees. They are, as I said, just a game back. Corey Kluber will pitch tonight for the Yankees. Texas has not mentioned a starter for tonight. They're probably going to use uh, an opener, and uh, they're planning on using uh, the Korean left-hander, Hyung uh, Jong Yang. He's going to make his fifth appearance of the season, but it's going to be in relief. But uh, the Yankees... Now uh, four games over 523-19. And then the Tampa Bay Rays continued to make it a little tighter as they absolutely bombed Matt Harvey and the Baltimore Orioles last night. Harvey only met, lasted an inning and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, six runs, a couple of bombs. The Rays hit five home runs in this game, five. Uh, so it was batting practice uh, in Baltimore last night. And uh, their bullpen did a decent job last night. Once again, they used the opener. And then uh, Andrew Kittredge came on, pitched well after that. He ends up getting the win, picking up his fourth win of the season. Uh, G-Man Choi, his first home run of the season. Of course, he missed the first, what, first 40 games of the season. And uh, he comes back and he hits his first bomb of the season last night. Austin Meadows went deep as well. His ninth home run of the season. Mike Zanino went deep twice. Uh, drove in four runs. He's now got 10 home runs on the season. Uh, the Orioles will try to salvage a game in this series. John Means will pitch for them tonight. Uh, in his last two starts, he has thrown 15 scoreless innings with 15 strikeouts and no walks. Uh, he will be opposed by Ryan Yarbrough. Um, so uh, a big game tonight if you're a Red Sox fan. 
with the ace for Baltimore going, uh, you're hoping for some help. Um, in New York, we saw what happened the other night when Kevin Pillar got hit in the face, actually got hit in the nose uh, with a fastball. And he tweeted out after the game, hey, you know, I'm, you know, it could have been worse, I'm fine. You know, Come to find out, he's not exactly fine. Uh, he was placed on the injured list by the Mets yesterday with uh, what was described as multiple nasal fractures. Uh, he came out last night and brought the lineup card to home plate. I mean, his face was swollen, uh, bruises everywhere. I mean, he looked like hell. But, I mean, the good news is he was upright and it didn't kill him. Because, honest to God, when you saw that, it was it was just frightening. Um, but uh, he is going to be down probably for a couple of weeks as, uh, as he heals. Um, but the Mets won the game last night. Anyway, they beat the Atlanta Braves 4-3, to three, a much-needed win for the Mets as they try to right the ship. Um, they've now won two in a row uh, after a little bit of a slide. And the Atlanta Braves continue to struggle. Now four games under five hundred. Um, and uh, they got to uh, Will Smith out of the bullpen last night. That was the difference in the game as the Mets come up with a run in the top of the ninth. Uh, Jonathan VR and Thomas Nito with home runs for the Mets in this one. The Mets now, as I said, 20-16. and 16. They are a game up on the Philadelphia Phillies in the NL East. But, uh, again, the good news is is that uh, Pilar was, was at the game last night and appeared to be, you know, other than looking like he'd been beat up by Muhammad Ali, was doing okay. Uh, the Braves will send Charlie Morton to the hill today. Uh, David Peterson will pitch against them for the Mets. Uh, it is the finale of the three-game series. Peterson, 1-3 with a 4.86 ERA. And Charlie Morton's been struggling this year. Uh, Morton uh, with an ERA of over 5. So, obviously, uh, he's hoping uh, to get things back on track. You know, there was some talk that Morton might retire prior to this season. And he's one of these guys that has always said, I'm not going to pitch until I'm, you know, 40 years old. Uh, you know, I want to spend time with my family. And, you know, so there was some question as to whether he'd even pitch this year. And uh, he struggled last year. And uh, he con- continues to struggle a little bit this year. I already mentioned the Twins game. Uh, they beat the White Sox last night. Lucas Giolito will pitch this afternoon for Chicago. Uh, Minnesota is going to roll out Matt Shoemaker. Matt Shoemaker is one of the problems for Minnesota this year. Uh, a guy that signed as a free agent uh, from Toronto. Shoemaker is 2-4 and four with an ERA of 6.62. And, you know, uh, you can have all the great young hitters in the world, but if you can't pitch, it, it doesn't matter. Ask the, uh, ask the Angels. Uh, the Angels lost yesterday to the Cleveland Indians 6-5. to five. And obviously we know about the great young hitters that they have. Obviously they have Mike Trout. Jared Walsh has been unbelievable. Uh, they've got Anthony Rendon. They've got Shohei Otani. They've got a lot of offensive weapons on this Angels team, but they can't pitch. Andrew Heaney, who's supposed to be one of their best pitchers, goes out yesterday, gave up five runs and six hits in three innings. Uh, he has been um, awful. Uh, in his last two starts, he's given up 10 runs. Um, it is, now, he started the season pitching pretty well, but now all of a sudden he can't find the strike zone. Uh, he only struck out one, walked two in that game yesterday. And again, you know, it doesn't matter um, how great your hitters are. If you can't pitch, it doesn't matter. 
Zach Plesak wasn't great for Cleveland last night, but he was good enough. He picked up his fourth win of the season, and Andrew Karinchak picked up his fourth save. But the bad news for the Angels, Mike Trout is out six to eight weeks. You know, and I mean, you just, uh, that's devastating for this team. Um, he's, he's got a strained calf. And obviously they're going to be very, very cautious with them. But now uh, the Angels are without their biggest weapon. And it also loses the protection in the lineup for guys like Otani and Rendon. Having Mike Trout in that lineup makes those other guys uh, see better pitches. So it'll be interesting to see how teams start attacking the Angels now um, without Mike Trout in the lineup. For Cleveland, a much-needed win Last night, they go to 22-18. and 18. Uh, They snapped a four-game losing streak, and they are now two and a half games behind the Chicago White Sox in the American League Central. Uh, one of the AL Central game yesterday, well, it was an interleague game, but the Kansas City Royals uh, pick up a win. They've been struggling lately as well. They shut out the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday, two to nothing. Andrew Benintendi, former Boston Red Sox left fielder with an RBI single in the eighth inning. Uh, the difference in that one. Uh, Brandon Woodruff pitched well for Milwaukee, just one earned run in seven and two-thirds innings, but uh, uh, it wasn't good enough. Chris Bubeck got his uh, first start. He'd been working in relief, but then when they lost Danny Duffy to the injured list, Bubeck got the start yesterday. How about six innings and one hit? <laughs> Way better than you expected. Uh, Bryce Brents ends up getting the win and uh, Stalmont pitches the ninth inning, strikes out a couple of guys to pick up his fourth save of the season. But a, a nice win for the Kansas City Royals last night. It's 45 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. I was just uh, looking uh, on the break, and uh, this whole Tony La Russa uh, thing is, uh, not going away. Um, and, and Will Middlebrooks, uh, former major league baseball player, and he's got his own podcast now and he's great on social media and I have a lot of respect for him, but, um, you know, he was kind of taking Tony La Russa to task, uh, about his handling of the Yerman Mercedes thing. He didn't feel like he, that he, he kind of felt like, um, La Russa threw his guy under the bus. And, I, you know, from a player standpoint, I can see how Middlebrooks would feel that way. But at the same time, when you have a young player like Mercedes, now, when I say young, he's, I think he's 28. So this is a guy that, you know, it wasn't like he's, he's a 19-year-old kid, but he's also a guy that hasn't played, you know, in the bigs. Isn't it part of your job as a manager to teach Right. Not just it's not just about, you know, when to call the hit and run or when to bunt or when to who to pinch hit or when to, you know, pull the plug on the starter. Isn't part of it to teach the game and to teach the respect and love of the game? You know, I, I believe it is. You know, I believe. Well, look, when we when we teach little leaguers, right, when you've got kids that you're teaching little league to, you teach them not just how to hit the ball or how to pitch the ball. You teach them how to play the game, how to respect the game. So in my mind, that's kind of where La Russa was coming from. You know, in this day and age with, with the media, it's so hard, you know, because everybody's got a microphone that they're sticking in your face. 
you know, I'm sure there were private conversations that went on between those guys. And look, you know, I believe it is part of LaRusse's job. You know, um, but at the end of the day, as I said, um, it's on the Minnesota Twins at the end of the day because it was Rocco Baldelli who decided to throw a position player when you had healthy arms in that bullpen that you could have thrown out there. So you have to put some of the onus on Baldelli. This is not, it's not a simple thing. Dave Massey just checked in what's next, run rules. You know, look, I I don't think it's about, like, we shouldn't score, you know, don't score too many runs. It's not about that, you know. It's about, as I said, the respect for the game, the respect for your opponent, and it's not just on Yerman Mercedes and Tony La Russa about, you know, a 3-0 pitch. You're not respecting your opponent if you hit it out of the ballpark. It's also the Minnesota Twins respecting the White Sox enough to actually put a pitcher in the game. You know, what are you saying when you're, you know, you're throwing me out there to finish up a game because you don't want to burn up a pitcher? No, baloney. You put your, your, your pitching staff put itself in that position to begin with. So as a manager, if you're Rocco Baldelli, and I love Rocco, but if you're Rocco Baldelli, if you're respecting a game, shouldn't you be throwing a pitcher? Shouldn't shouldn't you not use a position player? You know, I can see if it's the 18th inning and you've burned through your whole bullpen and you don't have anything left, you know, or you've got one guy left and you got a doubleheader tomorrow. I mean, I get that, but there, none of that was the case. You know, there are times, I guess, when a position player would make sense to pitch, but that was not it other than the fact that it was a blowout. So I think there's respect on both sides, whether Mercedes should have hit the 3-0 pitch or not. And as I said, 557 guys before, 556 guys before in that situation had never hit, swung at a 3-0 pitch. So I get, I get that. But at the same time, some of this has to be on the other side. So it's not simple. It's not simple. But I get where Will, Will Middlebrooks is coming from. You know, it doesn't look good if you're Mercedes. You kind of feel like your manager's throwing you under the bus. You know, so I get that. And, and, you know, whether it's, and I don't, and I don't want to hear that it's because Tony LaRusse is 76 years old, because I'm going to tell you something else. I think if I would be willing to bet you if Terry Francona was managing that game and his guy swung at a three Oh pitch and hit it out, Terry Francona would have had the same conversation. Now I, I realize Terry's, you know, not 40 years old, but I think he would have had the same conversation. I think Alex Cora would have had the same conversation if Rafi Devers hit a ball out on a 3-0 pitch in a 15-4 game with a position player going. I don't think this has anything to do with Tony LaRusse's age. I just don't. I just don't. I just think that it's respect. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm out of touch. Uh, a couple of the notes on Major League Baseball yesterday. The Padres win again. <laughs> they win it on a wild pitch. Uh, it is absolutely unbelievable. The Padres, since that COVID-19 scare, are 8-1. and one. They lose Tatis and Hosmer and uh, Will Myers, um, and they go 8-1 and one without those guys. How about that? 
You know, they have won five in a row. And yesterday it was a Daniel Bard wild pitch in the bottom of the 10th inning uh, to give them the win. Uh, so they are now a half a game behind the San Francisco Giants because the Giants won again. Gi- uh, the Giants are unbelievable. Ten games over five hundred now at 26-16, and 16, and you keep waiting uh, for them to wake up and say, wait a minute, we're not supposed to be doing this. But Anthony DiScalfani yesterday making his return to Cincinnati where he pitched for five years, uh, seven innings, just one run. He struck out seven. And uh, Jake McGee picked up his 11th save of the season, so... Uh, the San Francisco Giants just continue to win. It's unbelievable. Uh, the Dodgers kept pace as well. Um, they whacked the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday, nine to one. Uh, Julio Urias with uh, six and two thirds strong, and he struck out eight. Didn't walk anybody. Gave up just one run. Uh, Gavin Lux, his uh, first career grand slam yesterday. By the way, he ripped his pants while he was doing it, uh, but he hits his first uh, grand slam yesterday. And then Clayton Kershaw now will take the mound. For the Dodgers today, six and three with a three two zero ERA. Uh, the Oakland Athletics continue to win. They beat the Houston Astros yesterday. Uh, Ramon Laureano with two home runs and the game winning sacrifice fly uh, in the ninth inning as they beat Houston six to five. And so now the A's with a one and a half game lead in the AL West over the Houston Astros. Uh, both those teams have uh, played exceptionally well. The Astros are 17-8 and eight, uh, since April the 22nd. And Jose Altuve is seems to have found some of his old hitting stroke. Uh, he went 2-for-5 uh, yesterday. He's now got a 12-game hitting streak. Uh, he's got the batting average up to 307. He's actually, you know, looking like the guy that was hitting the crap out of the ball in 2017 and 2018, which if you're the, if you're the Athletics uh, that has to make you uh, a little bit nervous. Zach Greinke will pitch for the Astros today against uh, Frankie Matas. Uh, the Boston Celtics win their play-in game last night. Jason Tatum with 50 points. Uh, Kemba Walker added 29. So for that, they get to be the number seven seed and will take on the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs. Good luck. They played the Nets three times this season, lost all three games, and they looked entirely overmatched and now they don't have Jalen Brown Um, but the alternative was to go golfing so they'll take it so uh, good luck to the Celtics they're going to need it and I'll be watching the Bruins game tonight game three of their Stanley Cup series with the Washington Capitals tonight uh, 630 on Nesson so uh, I'll be switching between that and the Red Sox game tonight that's going to do it for us we'll see you tomorrow morning with another edition of the wake-up call we leave you this morning with some music from Jimmy Allen and Brad Paisley Freedom was a highway. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.